Hello, welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you from the studios at DTM Enterprises, my wood shop in the backyard. Uh, sitting here today on, on my big mahogany table, have a special guest in today. Uh, Jesse's going to tell his story today. Uh, you'll hear a lot about that. I've known Jesse for uh, the whole time I've been in, I'm pretty sure, really close. So this time around anyway, for the past four years. Um, so that is cool. Let me get a couple of these commercials out of the way. Go out to uh, spiritualunderground.org. There's a contact me page there that you can uh, reach out, give me any feedback that you may have. Uh, you need help because of your struggling with something. I'm an open book there too. I will see what I can do to point you in the right direction. And also links to these podcasts and show notes and pictures of the folks that have been guests. So you can put the face with the name. Uh, Christopher Cohn's book, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery, is now available on Amazon. We've been talking about it a little bit. We had the very first meeting the other night, Thursday night. Went great. Had 54 people at that meeting. So go out and check that out. Um, and music. Generally, we've been having music by uh, Darren. And Jesse has been played a, played a, a role of, I guess, would you say producer? Yep, producer. Assistant. Assistant. Uh, and have you actually played some of the instruments in it too yeah. on some of the yeah. on those songs we've been hearing? So yeah. that is real cool. But today he's brought his guitar with him, so we just recorded a song. I'll use it for the uh, we'll probably do another one here in a little bit, and uh, we'll use it for today. So he gets complete and total <laughs> musical credit. And he he said the song was actually written by a friend of his. Yep. So he he he'll introduce that to you when 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 it's there. Um, so. Way I always start this. Welcome to the podcast, by the way, Jesse. Thank you. Love you to death. Um, well, I always started out because it just seems to be the right thing to do is give a guy's current sobriety date. January 17th, 2019. Now, Jesse has been around a little longer, and we were just talking about that. His uh, recovery that he carries in his pouch is a longer term than his current sobriety date. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit, about how you don't lose it. And I mean, I heard one guy come to me once, and he said, I am a one-chip wonder. He said he got one white chip and stayed sober uh, from there on out. And I know they're around. Uh, I've heard a couple other people talk about that. Uh, but it's not, I think the, the other story is more appropriate because it takes a while to get this trudging thing we do, getting our feet wet in this thing, get our, uh, get some momentum going, you know, and, and learning how, I uh, just say, you, the book even says that, you know, although relapse is not a, uh, recommended thing it's not required uh, it seems to be uh, a part of most of our journeys is to, 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 to have some stumbles out of the gate um, thing is is that's why we say keep coming back you know these silly little quaint little sayings we we use around here you know like, what is this keep coming back yeah that's really cute when I first heard <laughs> them chant that yeah yeah man keep coming back uh, fact of the matter I am a product of keep coming back I am because uh because people made it okay for me to return uh i was able to continue my recovery after stumbling and and things as it says get worse and worse not better uh so man i am so glad that they made it easy for me to come back because it is not easy to come back right come back in and talk about uh you know for me i had a really good support system and i'm par been part of this home group for uh i don't know every bit of five to six years off and on since it started in the basement of one of our members and um yeah every time you come back in and try to explain what uh trivial excuse you had for going back out yeah eating that crow and uh 
you know, I, it's kind of a dual-edged sword for me. I don't want to ever take it lightly because then it just makes it easy to flop in, flop out. Um, yeah, it should be hard. It should be hard, but uh, sometimes I make it too hard too. You know, yeah. it's a, well, I can't go back in there and tell those guys that I messed up because, you know, they're all perfect somehow, and they got all this deal on, on one try, right? And then I find out more and more as I get to know people, hardly anybody that I know walked in one day and stayed sober the whole time and if you did more power to you yeah, great absolutely. for you i mean i wish that when i was 21 years old and got my first dui and decided hey maybe this isn't right maybe at the age of 21 you shouldn't spend your 21st birthday on the seventh floor in the little county jail yeah maybe maybe you should go try that aa thing that your family did or your parents did and uh yeah i was court ordered of course not you know 16 years old i'd had my driver's license six months and got my first dui and, uh, and Which is sent, normal for and they us. They sent right? me to AA, you know, and I didn't know a thing about it and didn't hear a thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, and I don't. And to be honest with you, even then, I wouldn't even count that as seeds planted because I don't remember anything but old men smoke cigarette smoke and, right. and coffee, and I just went in there to get that card signed so that I could comply. Yeah. Uh, any of the words Same. that I later on heard didn't like ring true. Like I remembered the promises or remembered the rarely have we seen a person. You know, I don't remember anything. I was completely tuned out back then. So I wouldn't even count it as a seed planted. Right. I just remember that big list of things. And it's like, oh, that's just like that. church. That's yeah. just like church. There's we, a big do, list of rules. <laughs> I do remember that this uh, was held in a church. So that, that stuck. Always. The yeah, basement. To, to, uh, that I believe I had that. I thought it was affiliated Mm -hmm. uh, no Same. So my family grew up in AA. You know, I grew up in AA, and one of the biggest hurdles for me was uh, being a child of alcoholics that are in recovery and in the program. It's weird because I have a whole life in AA as a child where it was meeting a bunch of people I didn't know that were all very friendly and nice and smiling, and um, I knew my mom and dad had to do these things every so often, you know. Um, I probably couldn't tell what the difference in their behavior was when they did them or didn't do them. But, um, you know, for me it was an hour of fun, meeting new people. Sometimes there would be a basketball gym, you know, a gym or basketball go or a pool table or a video game. I remember being at the old Easy Does It Club back in the day. And um, <clears throat> as I got older and AA started to become uh, – you know, recovery in general, and especially AA for me as an alcoholic. Um, as it became relevant for my life, it was really hard to step over that bridge of, you know, growing up in, in the in the program or around the program and then trying to decide, you know, that program was always for them, for those people, for those adults, for those parents, yeah. for those those alcoholics that there's no way that I could be one of those people now at the age of whatever it was where that those thoughts started to ring true. And, um, I remember the first time I did a true first step, which was somewhere around the year 2010, 2011, actually 2011. Um, just admitting that I was an alcoholic, that, I, that admitting that I had a problem period was virtually impossible. Fully admitting that I was an alcoholic was like the biggest weight off of my shoulders because I could finally, I could finally let that world, these two worlds coincide: the the world from my past as a kid, and the world from my pre, you know, my present yeah. at the time. And that was a big monumental thing. Like that was a, that felt like um, 
a tornado had touched down right where I was standing, like that world that I, I had all these worlds floating around, and it kind of came down and spiraled down and landed right on top of my head, and it blew a bunch of weight off my shoulders yeah. when that happened, which was pretty wild, you know. So, you know, of course that didn't end my journey. That was just the beginning, and uh, uh, been in and out several times since then. The one thing I have noticed is that my, uh, and somebody pointed this out to me when I was feeling down about it, I guess. And sometimes I felt down about it and didn't know I was feeling down about it. Um, but they said if you if you look back and see the times you spent outside of recovery and the times that you spent inside, I actually noticed that the times I go back out are shorter and the times that I'm in the program are longer. <laughs> so so if any if anything, it might be a slow ass road to get yeah, there. Right. But uh uh interval by interval they're shifting to the right direction. You know, and that that kind of gave me a little bit of juice to move forward and not beat myself up quite so bad during yeah. those times. Heck yeah, yeah, more and more traction every time you that you throw your hat to the middle. Yeah, and uh, this time is really unique for me. You know, um, in so many ways, I feel uh, like I said, being a part of this this home group and this group of guys, we got the tribe, as it were. Um, always loved me whenever I came back never said you know a couple people who were wiser than me did say you know you threw a lot of stuff away you know and you had a lot of, of support in there and you kind of because it was all about me you know uh, my one of my old sponsors said you know you 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 have an obligation if somebody gives you their love and their attention and their their mentoring and their sponsorship and their you know their time um, you don't just hurt yourself when you go back out. You actually have, in, in a way, taken some energy out of your home group and your yeah, friends and your right. support and your sponsor and some of your sponsee brothers. And uh, and that's just in the program. Surely, you know, outside of the program, the people that love you have to watch you go through that uh, ping-ponging effect. Uh, sober, not sober. Sober, not sober. Different Jesse. Same, you know, good Jesse, bad Jesse, if you want to call it that. I don't know that that's the right word, but... Recovery Jesse, not recovery Jesse. Selfish Jesse, unselfish Jesse, and um, you know that I was. I think that's part of that, like that journey we was talking about of trying to get to that spot that is really you, right? right. All those other things feel like you at certain times, but you really know in your heart back there that Jesse is not selfish. Jesse is not uh, right. the the drunk, the, right? You know all the things that come up with all that. Though that is not really you. That's this whole theory of this like i like to say is like similar to a computer virus or like a parasite that has hijacked my operating system yep. you know it's got me i have a little visual of like a some uh guy behind the curtain like wizard of oz guy behind the curtain with the joystick it's got a hold of me back then right and totally. he used to drive me totally you no know? and i was not me this 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 thing we heard a gentleman the other night at the tssr meeting said something about his you know that people people have made these choices to do this stuff and, and you know, yeah, I and, wish. Yeah, I wish I could make these choices yeah. to do this. No, I, my my <laughs> operating system was hijacked. You know, trying to get back, you know, to where something is operating me that that works, not not that doesn't work, that drives me into the ground. Because I think for me, that's where the pain came in. Yeah. If I was a, a purebred, born to die of alcoholism guy. I wouldn't care if I went out and blacked out and hurt people and did this or that. The pain comes because I know that that's not me. 
Right. Yeah. It's it's because it's contrary. That, that's to your, the pain. It's yeah. contrary to my to my soul and my yeah. spirit that's and my, like everything it. that I believe in. Like it true north thing that my compass needle when it's pointing into my north which may not be the same as your north you know i won't make clear i'm there but when my compass needle is pointed north everything feels good and it, and it flows and it feels natural uh when i start getting off course right it feels a little forced and the, like, like the magnetic fields are just like pulling me in directions that's not comfortable and that's physically painful yeah and mentally painful and emotionally painful so yeah it's um this time around, I've, I've been doing things quite differently. Uh, you were talking about those old sayings and whatnot, and every time I grow a little bit, those sayings start meaning different things. And then uh, in some ways, they, they don't get quite so trivial as I used to pretend that they were to me when I was, yeah. when I was new. Uh, the one I've been really trying to live this time is get all in. You know, get in the boat. And... Um, I don't know, I could go on forever about that alone, but uh, when I worked the program in the past, I worked it. I mean, I did everything. I, I can't say that I really did anything wrong. I don't even know if wrong and right are words that are ap- applicable to yeah, this. Right. Yep. Um, if I start saying somebody did something wrong, then I'm that old crusty dude who only has one view of what this the whole deal is. But um, I didn't do everything that I could have done is a better way to put it. Um, I know you guys, especially you, Dan, and some others said that thimble, I carried around quite the thimble uh, of recovery, which was... Just give me a little bit. Give me just a little bit. Not too much. Not too much. You wouldn't want to overdo (laughs) this thing. I'd hate to be way too happy and free. I'd hate to... I'd hate to really know the real me. I just want to kind of know a little slice of the real me. It goes right um, hand in hand with that quote I read a little bit ago. Don't live too big. Right. You know, I need I to want stay to re- small. I, I, I need to shrink from life and be down here where I deserve to be. I don't deserve to be out here and just like a, a, a blasting light. Right. I'm just a little bulb. I'm just a little dim bulb. So, you know, humble, but maybe not, you know, humble, yes. Yeah. But shrinking down and trying to be a little thorn on the whole plant? No. If, if you're the big-ass thorn... On the plant, be the big ass thorn. Just Amen. make sure you don't uh, go, you know, tooting your own horn too much. But uh, getting all in this time has been really good for me. Um, the same guys that supported me before support me now, and I feel like I can support them better. Um, I worked the steps before. I had sponsors before. I went to meetings before. I didn't work the. I, I worked the steps pretty well, I might add, um, according to what my abilities were at the time. Um, I didn't use my sponsor as well as I should have before. I didn't go to as many, me- as many meetings as I sh- could have before. I shouldn't say should, could have before. Um, I kind of went to meetings in a sense as an obligation. Hey, you're supposed to go to three meetings a week. Okay, I did it. Check. Check box. Yeah. Meeting makers make it. Yeah. Not, uh, man, I've been to nine meetings in nine days, not because I have to, but because I want to, and yeah. I'm getting that juice from it. Um, I'm doing some other things too, uh, just being more honest and open about my feelings. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had a lot of walls still. And that's kind of like what you said about uh, your former mentors and sponsors. Is uh, It's weird when you get out of that relationship or when you get further down the line, some of those things that happened back then that didn't have the impact they may have had back then have more impact now. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, I was honest and open before to the best of my ability, but I wasn't fully 
honest and open before because now I'll share about the, the smallest little thing that throws me off balance. And it used to be it'd have to pile up a little bit and be like, oh, okay, I'm starting to feel a little off balance. But now I kind of re- report on it and share about it when it's when it first happens. Right. You know, and that's been really helpful, I've noticed, because the, the more I've done that, the more I've realized how, how, how deeply one small little thing can throw me off. And, it's, and even though I kind of process it and somebody, maybe at work, somebody says, hey, I know that guy yelled at you. Don't worry about it. He's just being a douche or something. It's like that helps a smidge, but that stuff still stays down in there and works at me yep. and works like a little termite um, eating through the wood in my, in my brain there. And, um, you know, two or three days later, five days later, a month later, that's when the relapse would happen. That's right. when the, the fuck it button would be hit. It right. wouldn't be that day. It's, it's hardly ever that day. It's kind of why I like that compass needle this analogy, the metaphor, whichever one it is, uh, is that because I can just be like, like if I'm traveling someplace and I'm one degree off course, I'm not that bad today, right? Right. That one degree doesn't right. bother me in the moment. But when I get a couple miles down the road, I'm way off course off of that one degree thing. So that, that, that course correction, uh, Don M, uh, uh, Kevin's sponsor says, sponsor says uh, I think I think at least when I'm read, he says angle of approach. That works for me too. But that's why I like that compass thing. It's because it's not. It's that little thing that can set me way off course later on. It feels like it's no big deal today. But if I will address that and when I share that kind of stuff and I let that out, uh, my other little thing I said, and, and I think I actually did make this enough. You know, a lot of stuff I steal and I haven't found out where I got this one. I haven't read it someplace else either. But discharging that negative energy uh, to, to, to the universe through safe people. When I'm able to have safe people that I can get rid of this energy with, I know it's not judging me. I don't have to feel small because I'm sharing small things. Uh, that allows me to bring back my compass needle back into my alignment. That's the course correction. And then I can be back on course. I've heard you use that term. I started using it just so you know. I kind of stole it from the, you. Which one? The, the course, course correction? correction. Yeah, and I don't know where I got course correction. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I'm not, like I said, that, 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 that discharging the negative energy through, through the universe, through safe people. I, I think I made that one up. <laughs> we need to start writing this but, down. Uh, I'm, 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 I, I, yeah, I do. There's At least you have things. it recorded now. I do now have it uh, recorded for posterity. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know what else you want to talk about. Well, I would, I think we, I think if we don't talk about some of the war stories and talk about some of the depths of the, of the madness and the, uh, how bad it was and, uh, that kind of stuff, I think we do a just, just, I think we do the thing of just justice. Yeah. That's what everybody wants to hear apparently anyway. Well, you know, and I'm not going to allow us to dread on that. That's one of the cool things about the interview form of this speaker tape kind of thing is that we can just, we can like, we can make course corrections through a recording right because uh, i'm liable to go off on a like for instance people behind the podium we see it and we joke about it they can go off into the nightmare and you go the the, the old standing joke is oh, is this guy ever gonna get sober <laughs> you know he, he does 50 minutes of getting drunk right and the last three minutes is uh i got a sponsor i worked the steps and have lived happier yeah, yeah you know so so but but i do understand that that old stuff is important that that nightmare stuff of of where we were at in some of those old stories or rather if uh you, you talked about um growing up in a in a family that obviously this is a you know i believe and i think it's proven that this is a, has a genetic component so if there's people i'm, in, I'm positive of if it. if you're in if there were people in around you in aa uh obviously you have a genetic component yes 
So, uh, you know, I have some things I can think of uh, now. Uh, another little thing is as, my, as I progress in my recovery and I get clarity in my future, I'm also at the same time getting clarity in my past because there was a time when you would listen to my story and those aren't recorded that I would have told you I had a perfect childhood upbringing. Same. And I'm not going to knock my parents at any level. But as I'm getting more and more recovery, as I'm recovering my true spirit down that path, I also can see that, you know, uh, there were some things that that happened to me when I was a kid uh, that weren't as pleasant as as I would have told you they were a few years ago. Right. I got a ton of those. Yeah. Uh, the older I get and the the clear headed I get, you know. So I think it's important to look at some of those real early things that, you know, uh, you know, I've had that. I don't know what if you put it in the ballpark of molestation or what you put it in, but I had that sexual relationship with a guy when I was a kid that, that altered my compass needle greatly. Same. You know, and I'm not going to blame it. I'm not going to, you know, whatever it is, but I didn't have a way to correct that course. I didn't have tools in my toolbox. And when I go back and do the Christopher's tool of looking back at that, photograph of when i was a little kid and the lights were still on when i turn the page and i find out this picture where the lights are out in that kid i know that that event happened in between that those two pictures right i haven't done that yet and i know that's I what to do that yet yeah and higher power made that just perfect for me it was easy for me to do that because that photo album that my mother made me and put together in chronological order was just i start and for whatever reason i sat down i started at the newest pictures and i turned back in time and saw the lights come on in that little kid. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to maybe share something, if you can think of something that when, from when you were uh, in your upbringing that, that helped, you know, alter that trajectory. So many things. We could go on forever. Um, we have a lot of time. So, yeah, uh, I can kind of sum it up, I think. You know, as a smaller kid, probably between the age of three and seven, um, I was in a – my parents were still – well, first of all, I never knew my birth father. My mom separated from him when mm-hmm. I was two and a half years old. Wow. And, that's um, big, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, so fortunately it kind of happened early enough where I did that – I don't know if that was a thing or not. Um, but she did meet another another guy who ended up – who I still call my father today. Um, but when they first shacked up together, they were both in the madness, and I was probably from the age of like three to six, three to seven. Um, so that's my first real memories is it basically two things. One, mom and dad argue a lot. Uh, two, Jesse spends a lot of time alone, uh, in order to, I don't know. I don't really don't know why I did. I was, I'm, I'm a pretty smart person, pretty intelligent, pretty in tune with what's going on around me. And, um, I always played by myself a lot. I, I could engage myself. Uh, with various things. I'd play baseball in the backyard by myself. Oh, wow. I'd, uh, you know, watched a lot of TV. I think that's part of my generation is TV became a babysitter in some ways. Um, I used to think that's because I chose to do those things. I kind of realized looking back that when your parents are active in their disease, they don't mind if you spend a lot of time by yourself and they don't mind if you watch a lot of TV. Uh, That doesn't mean that I wasn't loved or anything. Exactly. They um and also you probably found that as an escape thing because that was also probably there was some pain and that you knew in your soul from watching the madness. Yes, that like yeah, yelling, the TV, lots of yelling, and when I watched the TV, you know that wasn't there. You know I could look into this uh, 
I could look into this this device that helped me not see that. Right. And I was a kid, so you know, I liked cartoons. Hell yeah. G.I. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, it was yeah. kind Those of a are designed to entertain you. It was kind of a um golden age, you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe, He Man, um, Star Wars was still right in the, the heart of all that. Yeah. Um but uh, I did spend a lot of time alone and Looking back, I think that kind of manifested itself throughout my whole life, which was I started kind of protecting myself as a young kid. And when I got older and was going to school, um, I was a latchkey kid, so I would also get home from school by myself. I'd cook myself a little bit of dinner if I wanted it. I'd uh, entertain myself for four or five hours at night till my mom got home. She worked 12, 14 hours a day. Uh, you know, I, I really respect her for that. Um, as a single mom, ultimately. Um, and then, you know, I, I kind of made my own way through life is the best way to say it. And it started at a very early age. So obviously coming into this program and admitting you have a problem that you, that I can't deal with, um, was a big challenge for me. It, it was almost like I, it wasn't that I didn't know that I couldn't handle it. It was that I didn't have the, the tools or the skills to admit that I couldn't handle something on my own. And, um, you know, some other things that happened during my life is uh, I was also a victim of, of molestation uh, by two different people as a child. And I don't know that I've ever really processed all that, but I do know, you know, I don't know that I ever held any anger or hatred or uh, I would say those negative emotions directly because of that. But I think it did really warp my sexual development. Um, it happened way too early. Absolutely. It happened, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily that it happened towards men, but I think the fact that that happened, period, really started making me hyper aware of what sexuality was at, a, at an age way too young. Um, you know, then you got TV and, and advertising and, you know, movies and stuff, and um, I was real keen into that early. Um, I think that contributed to some of my moral... Uh, corruption, if you want to call it that, yeah. or, uh, you know, I call it now, it's more of an objectification of people, especially women in, in some cases, but people in general. Um, and that, you know, that, that pretty much sums up my childhood. Um, after my stepfather, who I call my father today, um, who's in recovery, has 22 years this year. I can't remember the date, but sometime this year, he really good guy. Um, after they split up, she went through a series of different uh relationships um at least one more husband that i know of and uh the the culminating theme there is i had father figures in my life that were never there very long so the fact that i was kind of a, a loner independent guy and then having a i had a real good relationship with my mother as far as communication and and uh, presence um, but as far as ha being able to make a relationship with another guy, that skill totally didn't develop for me as a kid. So, you know, I always ended up with a fear of abandonment in a sense. And, um, it was always easier to make friends with women than it was with guys. Hmm. And I used to think that was sexually oriented, but I think it's just a function of that's just the type of, of person I dealt with more. You know, I could deal with mom. Um, we had a fairly good relationship up till I was about a teenager. Um, but dealing with guys was just something I didn't like. It was scary. I never had, never had any skills for that. Um, and then being an independent person automatic, you know, already just kind of added to that. So 
you know, I used to not think this, but I do have some trouble forming relationships with people, especially past the first layer of, hey, how you doing? The surface stuff. Yeah, the surface stuff. And um, I'm getting better at it now, of course, uh, with some recovery tools and um, also being around good people, you know. Um, but that kind of was my childhood. And then, uh, you know, also it kind of doesn't, I don't think it would surprise anyone that at the age of uh, nine years old, when me and my cousin found the pink, the box of pink champagne at my aunt's house. Um, exactly what I was getting ready to go to next. Yeah, we were. We uh, up through there, that, that first remembrance of using. That um, was the first one, uh, pink champagne. And uh, there was a pack of rolling papers, job rolling papers, but nothing to put in them. But we, we wanted to be adults so bad and, I, and probably wanted to change our moods so bad that uh, delved into the box of pink champagne, drank four or five glasses, small glasses of that. I don't think that that was anything profound other than I was really young when it happened. Uh, I was about nine years old, but it did kind of start an ongoing craving for that feeling again, that release feeling. I would say the first time I got fully uh, fully drunk or fully consumed with alcohol was probably the age of 11 or 12. And uh, my, I don't know, I don't even remember the story to be honest, but somehow the same cousin um, and, you know, alcoholism pervades our family. I don't think that's any anything strange for any of us probably but um somehow there was a fifth of mad dog uh whiskey and me and him drank the whole the whole thing together and i ended up um you know for and i, I never really processed this but we also took easy off oven cleaner that night and huffed it oh really yeah so it was it's kind of weird I, w- I almost think that my very first drink ever I'm one of those people that was alcoholic at the very first drink because 12 years old, I probably weighed 85 pounds or a hundred pounds. Maybe if I'm lucky, um, you drink a half a fifth of whiskey and then you feel the need to also huff oven cleaner. It's like, Whoa, where where did that come from? Needless to say, I got sick as a dog. I have a similar kind of history of that instantly trying to like, well, I always say I'm always, I always overshot the mark. Yeah, you know whatever I was doing was never enough. It never wasn't. And what I'm my end of it, my history, I would overshoot the mark because I was continuing to do more. Yeah, always more. Um, and then that really to me was the foundation of it. Uh, yeah, I have to take one step back. That that father that I had um, or have, you know, when he'd go fishing with his with his buddies, and uh, I remember a fishing trip one time. I was probably six seven years old. And I, I knew what they were doing, and I basically told them I was so thirsty that I was going to pass out. You know, I kind of played it up as a six, seven years old. You um, got to give me something to drink. You got to give me something to drink. And I know I knew the only thing they had was beer, and ultimately— So they took you fishing. They didn't bring anything for you to drink. They did, I'm oh. sure. I'm sure. But, you know, I'm I'm manipulative, right? Yeah, okay. um, yeah. but I could also see, like, in an alcoholic standpoint— It's possible, like, to be honest. I don't know the yeah. circumstances, but I do— like I will get— 30 beers to go fishing right? and take my son and I'll get him a Coke. I'm sure that I had, I'm sure that they took care of I'll me, get him but one uh, bottle of water, but I conned them, you know, I, I made sure that I got a drink of right, that, yeah. of that beer that they were drinking. Yeah. And I only had a couple drinks, but in my mind, I know what my intentions were. And that yeah. started that young. Um, but yeah, so things progressed, you know, for, uh, through my teenage years, right after that, I found marijuana. And, uh, that to me was the single, uh, you know, everybody talks about your mind slowing down in the big, 
I can finally breathe. I can finally relax. I can finally calm my mind down. That's what it was for me. And uh, throughout my teenage years, that's all. That's all it was. Was, uh, was booze. It a friend who brought the pot. I can still a f- remember a friend. my friend that said to me that said uh, that offered. You know, and it's a little foggy, but I remember who it was and where it was at. I could take you to the house. Uh, oh yeah, I know. Uh, my friend's dad was you know was a distributor of that and uh he had access so yeah um but that was the first time my mind really slowed down and i really got that fix if you will uh the booze was always there because it was accessible i think but once i got the combo of those two things going that's pretty much all i did through my teenage years and um yeah same here or it was uh, the the marijuana alcohol combo was, uh, was depressants depressants you know my mind was always very active and uh for whatever reason that combo just seemed to really put things on ease temporarily um and i mentioned earlier before my first real trouble uh, i actually got in trouble got busted at the age of 18 by a pregnant undercover cop a while we were yeah cop. while we were sitting in a park waiting for somebody to show up this would be illegal yeah, so when you see five uh, teenage Excuse kids me. sitting in a car in the heat of the summer with the windows rolled up, I don't know. We thought we were getting away with something, but apparently she was happened to just be taking a walk with her dog and just popped over to the window and caught us. And uh, um, there, I was doing some other things uh, bad at the time, not necessarily due to uh, addiction, but due to moral corruption. I was actually uh, stealing from my place of business cigarettes because i was the guy who ordered the cigarettes i was the guy who sold the cigarettes and i was the guy who kept inventory of the cigarettes and i had this job because it was a family friend um it was their business and i'd worked there since i was you know old enough to work always a hard worker i'll say um but uh she also found that a big uh, backpack full of that of hundreds of dollars of cigarettes and other goods from their store Oh yeah, when you got cut, when you got busted, oh yeah, smoking pot, so you had all this contraband with you. Oh yeah, there. yeah, and it was a, uh, it was enough to be a felony. How old were you? you I was eighteen, and uh, it was enough to be a felony, and um, he ended up not pressing charges because I think only because of family friend, and uh, you know he did me a real favor that day, and I I made an amends sort kind of. of I made an amends abruptly to him a while back, but uh, I also feel like. I didn't make the right amends. I made the amends of saying thanks for not pr- pressing charges, yeah. and I'm sorry that I did that. Yeah. I didn't make the amends of you didn't press charges, and I didn't end up with a felony at the age of 18 with an otherwise promising life and career ahead of me. You didn't ruin my life before it ever got started is the amends I really sh- should have made to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I wonder if my consequences would have been greater earlier, though. Uh, they promise you they would have been. Yeah. Um, that maybe I would have righted a ship in a sooner. Or I, you know, I, I, again, we don't. I can't overanalyze that, but I do know that because I've got many slaps on the wrist that enable me to continue using rather than having my a, a serious knot jerked in my tail. Yes, that will give me some pain and some consequences earlier. That's what we see all the time: is that people end up skirting not on falling yeah they don't fall all the way hard enough because somebody's around to prop them up and keep them from falling that's um, kind of the story of my life to be honest yeah me too i think that's I why it was so hard to get recovery floor. 
Mm-hmm. I, I had plenty of times to hit a bottom harder, mm. but I kept on finding the escape hatch. Was, right. Like, like, like uh, somebody said this, uh, I kept hitting this series of bottoms, but at every one of them, I would find a trap door. Same. <laughs> I'm resourceful, right? Yeah. Or I used to think that. I think that there was a, you know, there was some divine power in, in that. There was some divine interference yeah. with that. It's got a point there. I'm not, yeah, that uh, I was actually saved a number of times from having any further consequences. Because I really didn't I mean, do I a whole lot. I overanalyze that story. Yeah. Of how that happened, but but I do agree. You know, when you said you're making amends to the guy for uh, for, for not that, pressing charges, yeah, a very simple like, amends. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but the fact of the matter might be that he had, you know, if I'd have had some stiffer consequences earlier on, maybe things have been different. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's weird. You know, a lot of things in recovery are like that. You, you can, it can, it can, yeah, it can it's go that, one that way or the other. And a yeah. double-edged sword and all those other. Uh, metaphors for the way the world works like this. Yeah. Surrender to win stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. So if you're a black and white guy like me, you know, as an engineer or a, ma- a mathematical thinker, let's say, you know, I like an answer. When you tell me that the world can be gray and there's two answers, yeah. if you want to blow my mind, try to explain that to me when, yeah. I'm, when I'm not in recovery. You know, when I'm in the madness, I only see it one of two ways. Right. You're either for me or against me. You can never be for you in this hand and against you on this other thing. It, it's once you're against me, you're against me. And once you're for me, you're for me. You know, I, yeah. I have trouble living in that world of gray. Still do. Um, I've had some things come up the last couple of weeks where patience is the, the key. And it's really a struggle for me to live with that, with a, without the clear yes or no answer or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, age of 18, I got my first trouble, got arrested. Uh, basically had to do some community service and uh, got all that taken care of. My next big uh, trouble was at the age of 21 when I uh, got arrested on my 21st birthday. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, right? Yeah, I like that. Um, I was the joke of the jail. I know of course, that's, yeah. That's Happy birthday. Right. And people were coming up. Uh, police officers were coming up to my floor specifically. To, to, t- to tell me happy, to see the guy who's there on his 21st birthday and wish him a happy birthday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, I don't know. I, it, I can sum a bunch of stuff up by just saying from the age of 16 to the age of even not that long ago, that was my life, you know, just constant consumption of alcohol. Um, a lot of stuff happened in between. Um, what did you drink mostly? Beer. Mostly. I was mostly a beer drinker. So something changed in me because when I first used to drink hard liquor, I'd get sick every time. I'd yeah. get, I'd black out, I'd get sick, and I'd pass it's a, out. It's an overshooting the mark I was telling you about. So I started raining back. I found I didn't do that on beer. I could continue Right. You can it. drink all night on beer. Yeah. And uh, then something changed, though. Then I could start drinking moderate. that. Then I could start drinking that. And that was even more dangerous because then I didn't black out and pass out. I just stayed awake all night drinking hard liquor. Hmm. Um, but I still had to keep it on beer for the... You know, I'm kind of frail physically from from alcohol. Um, uh, spiritual sickness, though, man, just just uh, pervades my story. I think I haven't even really processed it all. This is the first time I've ever actually sat down and told anything more than like a three minute blurb or something. Uh, but the consequences just piled up. Ultimately, um, uh, I've had five DUIs total. Wow. Yeah, my 
most people know about a few of them. No, hardly, very few people know about all five of them. Had my first one at 21. I got two in the same year, within the same month in 2006. That 21st first birthday, was it a DUI? Or was yes. It? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, did the did the deal on that. Got through it all. Five years later, got it expunged. So, basically, my record said I had none. Uh, 2006, the same year I got it expunged. I'm sorry, 2006 was six years after. That was 2000. Um, 2006, I got two more uh, right back to back. And that was because of my alcoholism, but also because I broke up with a long-term girlfriend. And I had no coping skills for, for anything that life threw my way. Um, still just learning those, I think. But um, uh, two more then. Got another one in 2012 and another one in 2016. And that's that's the five. So those are my biggest consequences legally. Definitely not my biggest consequences in life. Um, Lucky to have a driver's license. Yeah, I'm, I am. And uh, I would say my biggest consequences is ultimately um, every relationship I've ever been is has ended because of my alcoholism. And I, my, I'm on my third long-term relationship, which I'm married, and I'm blessed that that hasn't ended yet. We've been together 11 years. Don't ask me how. Um, probably divine intervention again. And also, you know, some some of it's because we're putting in work re- in recovery to keep that. But uh, my first girlfriend in high school I had for five years. And the, the month I turned 21, you know, January of, of 2000, I already knew what I wanted to do, which was go to the bars all the time. And she became second place, third place in my life. And it wasn't long after that, about May of that year, that uh, we separated after six years of being together. Um, that was also hard on me. Um, then a couple years after that, I had another long-term relationship with a girl for three years and that ended because she became second place, third place and drinking was first place. Yeah. I can certainly relate to that. Pretty much everything good that has happened to me that I lost has been a result of that. Yeah. I like to say it was chalked up to bad luck or it wasn't meant to be or things like that. I used to say that. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the horror stories, you know, what got me back in this last time. Uh, and and if sometimes in my recovery, it was in response to trying to make a change because a negative thing happened, like you lose your license or whatever, which I think is still a valid response to want to change your life. Sure. You and know? it works too. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it can work. Yeah, it can work. For me, um, I would kind of get through the legal deal, you know, and then be like, well, Technically, I don't have any responsibility. Therefore, I can go back to doing what I did before. That's what happened to me every time. Um, this last time was a little different. Maybe that's why my recovery is a little different now. The last time was I'd had enough exposure to this this program and the people around me that are still around me, thank God, that I knew there was a better way. And um, two years ago, or about a, almost a year, about a year and a half ago, um, it's funny, today's uh, the day after St. Patty's Day. Today Which is Day. Oh, today is St. Patty's Day, but for party wise, it's the Sunday after St. Patty's Day. Um, and last year on this day, is it? Of, yeah, we were, Robin and I were having a discussion. Last night about. was party night for St. Patty's night. Yeah, because it just happened to be Saturday night. Right. right. St. Patrick's Day was on a Wednesday. It's well in Louisville. You still party like on the Saturday before. Okay. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we were kind of. And I was like, yeah. I really didn't. I never. I I, I never grasped that. 
like timeline thing. Yeah. Like actually, when it was on Wednesday, I liked that because then that gave me the excuse for Wednesday. You know? <laughs> well, Not of course, that I needed an excuse. You needed right? well, then you I just party on Saturday and up. Wednesday. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it would give me that extra one actually, you know, because right. it was on Saturday. I was gonna do it on Saturday any fucking way, right. right? You know, so I couldn't like, you know, I need that, I need that extra excuse on some other day of the week. Of course, one of the non-traditional party days. That way, I can say, "Well, I'm drunker and shit on Wednesday night." Right, of this. and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay because that's what everybody does, right? Yeah, I mean, what, what's my review? Yeah. So uh, last year at me. this time, one of our sobriety brothers, recovery brothers, was getting a phone call from a random person because they found my phone in my coat, and uh, I had just gone back out at the end of December, and this was what March, early March, and I'm already back to the point of leaving my coat and my phone and. It wasn't that I forgot it. It was that drinking became more important. And whatever happened next was where we were going next and that. And, oh, shit, half, halfway through the night, I forgot my shit. Right. But um, he got the call the next day. And uh, he got the call because he, he would send me daily texts with a meditation reading of some sort. And um, somebody called and said, is, is, your name, is your name Shane? And, they'd say, and he said, yeah. And he goes, I think I got your buddy's phone. Or maybe your brother's phone or something. And he goes, ah, no, that's just my buddy. Uh, he, I, I, he told me this later. I didn't know that that's how I'd actually got my phone. But this random person called me and said, hey, I got your phone. And I didn't know all this till like uh, um, I came back briefly, you know, and talked to some people in May. But I found out that that's how uh, Shane, I had gotten my phone back was from Shane talking about it. But uh, point being, you know, I went back out in December because I was in recovery and there were some things going on in my life that just weren't changing the way I wanted them to is what it kind of comes down to. Um, as an impatient alcoholic, I want things to happen the way I want for them to happen. I want it to happen immediately because I need immediate gratification and, um, things weren't happening that I needed to in my mind. And, uh, for whatever reason I thought going back out, you know, I just needed relief is ultimately what it came down to. I didn't really think it was going to solve anything truly, but I needed relief. And, um, and it provided the relief temporarily, but, um, you know, I went back out and I made another run for, from December to November of last year. And then things just got really bad in that 11 months. Um, my behavior changed. I went from, uh, not just a drunk to an angry person, which I've hardly ever been angry in my life. Uh, very hard to be around. That's probably not new. Um, I ended up messing up an opportunity I had with a band I was in because of my drinking. Uh, band things started becoming an opportunity for drinking rather than playing music. And um, um, I ultimately had kind of a nervous breakdown in front of my the owner of my company and my direct boss on a trip to China. And I'm talking like where tears were shed over work stuff. And... Uh, I don't know that they really judged me in a negative way other than this guy is so emotional. He's kind of a, basically a loose cannon. Like if he's walking around like this all, it, during this trip, I wonder how he's walking around all the time. And um, I think it truly opened their eyes to how severely um, alcoholic I was because it was during a round of like dr heavy drinking with the boys, as it were. Um and ultimately for me, it was just, you know, I came to the realization after, you know, lots of issues with my wife, 
lots of issues with people. You know, they'd call me on the phone and say, what are you doing tonight? And say, well, I'm doing this. They, they'd sound interested at first, and then they'd be like, have you been drinking? And it's like, yeah, a little. And they're like, uh, you could immediately feel the energy change to like, yeah, I might meet up with you later or not. I don't know. You know, so it wasn't that they were, I was losing friends outright, but they were definitely picking and choosing when they wanted to hang out. And, um, you know, I just got lonelier and lonelier. And um, because of the recovery I had prior, I knew that there was a different life. And I knew there was a different group of dudes doing different stuff on Tuesday night. And I knew that I just wasn't, and we talk about the perfect north, I just knew in my heart and my soul and my mind that I wasn't at my perfect north. And it was like, what are you doing? You know, you thought there was something else out here for you that was going to give you the juice. And uh, it didn't, you know, and that's when I came back. And um, I think for the first time, I came back for the juice rather than coming in to solve some kind of problem or to alleviate some kind of issue it was really to i just want the fucking juice back in my life coming in to put because my ass is on fire and i just need it put out and right it's been a thing once it gets and you see once it once the fire's put out then we're all good right and that's why i carried that little thimble around because i think i knew well once this thimble's full i'll be pretty solid right i don't really need much more of that and now i'm like the opposite of that now i'm like if this is my way of life, which I firmly think it is, I don't want to carry a thimble around. I want a bucket, you know, and uh, I've really been looking for the new things. Like this whole podcast is a new thing, and I, I'm stoked about it, you know. Going to meetings with guys that I love um, randomly, you know, we'll hit random meetings just yep. and on purpose as a group together just because we're a group together, you know, yeah. just because we're the tribe. It doesn't mean that we're trying to overrun your meeting or anything, no, no. but we want to bring nine guys in from our we're home group. We're just circling up together, <laughs> man. We're just, yeah. out, you know, putting arm in arm together and going and, and, and going and kicking this disease's ass. Yes, as, together. Together. You know, I love it. And um, uh, just getting back in my step work, I'm, I'm 60 days sober today. Awesome. Yeah. Is it today is 60? Today is 60. Oh, congratulations. Super cool, Thank you. dude. And um, I'm starting my fourth step today tonight tonight later tonight so yeah i know you just got done with the journey of finding that notebook and now it's got me going because i'm gonna be doing that before too awful long too going through with a couple other guys we're doing just a step study thing and they've asked me to it started out with a god's blessed me with people continually asking me to sponsor them uh so these guys asked me and then it coincided with christopher's book coming out and then they wanted to come through with christopher's book and I thought, well, why don't we just do this on even keel rather than, and we'll go through the three of us together rather than typically when I take somebody through the steps, you know, I'm guiding them. I'm not doing any of the work myself. Right. I don't do it, so we're going to do that. So I was at Myers today, and I looked at, I just went down the notebook aisle because, and I noticed like what you said, you know, there's a black one, a red one, a yellow one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's got some, like, some little designs on it, some patterns and stuff, but there was really nothing there. Uh yeah so yeah so yeah you got a super cool notebook and it made me like you know uh i might revise my statement from here on out because it is so quick to get something on amazon and get something mail order to you know no longer do we have to go to the walmarts and the targets and that to find this notebook this right. quest for a notebook that's a little different than a lot of people do uh again this now i did that first this optimized you, know, you tried i tried and you just for, fell two, short. for a you week and, and that's what i always weeks. tell guys too you know don't don't settle because I think that's a metaphor for the same thing of this rest of this. 
If I'm willing to settle for less than a notebook, then I'm willing to settle for only the thimble full of juice. Right. You know, so this whole teeth, this, there's a lot of like lessons underneath of this optimized way to do these steps that are more than just the steps. And I think that's a metaphor for that too, that if I settle for a notebook, then I'm willing to settle for less than in other places in my life also. Right. So like going to any length on that case is going out and shopping on the internet when you couldn't find what you wanted. And don't uh, don't kid yourself. It's not as easy as it sounds. Type in spiral wound notebook or spiral bound notebook and see how you're going to filter out through the 11 million results. 87 (laughs) million hits. Okay. And guess what? I I don't want to kid you. 90% of them are still Still. red, blue and black and yellow. And, uh, so it wasn't as easy as it sounded, but, um, yeah, but you know, I mean, like I said, it's, it was the avenue, so that's 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 a neat thing, and I love the look of the notebook too. That is uh, super cool. That is like Thanks, really man. juicy. Thanks. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing really well, man. I wanted to come here today, honestly, just to share, really fully, openly share, because when I go to meetings, when you get this, you know, when you get these kind of feelings and this kind of results in your life, you know, I know other people around me have had it, so I'm probably just saying shit they already know. But when I go to meetings, I want to share. And sometimes I don't really have to share, so i got to watch myself. Like, am I just sharing because I'm so full of energy and, like, I'm trying to be happy, you know? And I want to sh- I want to share the energy with people. It's not that I want to share to hear myself talk. Right. It's I want to share the stuff that I know that some of our my other brothers know so that when you walk away from this meeting, you know, like, what we do, you know? Um, it's not a pride thing to say, look how good we are. It's a... Man, if you only knew that this shit existed. Like, if I'd only known six years ago when I first joined this tribe that if I'd have stayed in and done some of the, some of this work properly, you know, I'd be already living this life. And it's like, I'm just now getting to it, so I'm really stoked about it. But um, I wanted to come here today just to share, you know, because uh, a lot of times newcomers don't get to share. Right. And a lot of times when they do, they either get told they're wrong or you, you're not entitled to share I had a one of our friends told me he went to a meeting and he said he shared on gratitude and he was told because he was only 30 days sober that he wasn't that he probably shouldn't share about gratitude and I just that really ran through me badly because uh you know it's it's not necessarily saying that that's wrong but it's also saying that you know we're all human beings so we're in recovery yeah but we're also human beings so what I heard out of that was you're not a worthy enough human being to share that you're grateful for something. Yeah. You know, what the fuck is that about? Yeah. Right. I, you don't have to be in recovery to be grateful for something. Yeah. That's the same thing what we were talking about earlier. You know, when somebody sees that the, whatever that, the, whatever dynamic is, and I will tell you that I'm not totally immune to it either at times, you know, I, I hope I'm more involved today than that. And then, and I see it and I catch myself. I make that course correction mentally because I promise you that I'm just as alcoholic as ever. <laughs> but the thing where I, when I see that you're happy, I can't do that. You know, you can't be that happy you don't have you're not deserveable of being that happy you've only been sober this long and you can't you know you haven't fully and, worked the steps yes, right yeah or any you know and even if you have you know so now you've been worked the steps you know and now boy well, you haven't done them enough and you haven't you know and so there's this thing where when you know more, i see it, I see it all the time because <laughs> frankly I, i'm just pretty jacked up most of the time about my recovery i just am high on it and and and, and it's not it's, it's authentic i hope 
I believe it is. It is authentic. I shouldn't say that. Hope it's perceived as authentic. I guess that's where the hope is. And I think it is, but then you still get this stepped on thing, like I was saying about the girl that gave me the card after speaking yesterday, telling right. me that, uh, that you know, don't be a comedian. And I'm like, I don't think I did. Did I put off a comedian vibe? Some people laughed. We're supposed to laugh. That's okay, right? We can have some fun in recovery. Uh, but that's the same thing with this guy Sharon, you know, that's saying, you know, you guys don't, you don't deserve to, you know, he's, you know, it's, well, ultimately it's just, I'm a little better than you are. Exactly. Exactly. Or your recovery is not worthy enough, you know? Yeah. Which is, you know, if I heard that as a younger guy with 30 days sober, I don't think I'd come back. I'd be like, man, this is just like every other group I've ever been in where I wasn't enough, where I didn't know the rules or follow the rules the right way. And, uh, you know, I think that's a travesty personally. Yeah, it is, Um, certainly. Especially if somebody's going to find the program younger and they have to go, you know, they choose to go back out for seven more years like Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. That sucks. So I got a little thing like where I was going with that one thing is like our home group that we used to talk about these guys and this this part of this this how tight and just I'm a little protective of that. So I will find myself at times like judging who ought to be deservable coming to our group or not, you know. And it's just in my head, it's in the back of that thing of like when I see somebody out and I'm like, yeah, I'm not inviting that guy. <laughs> he ain't ready yet. You know, right. like, well, who are you to freaking be deciding who's? Now, I do follow my gut on that, and I think there's some intuition involved that's valuable in that in that regard. But uh, that's where I find myself kind of watch out because when I, when I can see it elsewhere, I usually have to take a look and see it in me also, you know. Same. That spotted Same. you got it kind of thing, you know. But we get these opportunities, uh, and this is one of the things that I don't quite understand and, and I don't judge it at all, but one of the things that's been handed to me is all these unique ways to participate in my recovery that are different. You know I mean? Who gets to do this, right? Totally. I mean, how many other guys around town are getting to do this, right? No, Nobody uh, that I know of. Yeah. I don't know a single other person. And... Uh, so we get these things in like how tight our tribe is. And you know, when we got this group chat thing, you know, I don't know anybody else has got that connection with people that we've got. Some people are in some group texts together, which I personally despise, because this thing is easy. This is the thing where I can mute it. I can deal, I can play when I want to play. I don't have to, uh, if I don't want to, um, we get to do that, you know, and stay this connected. That, that other thing that uh, we've been, I've been here and tossed around a lot, the opposite of addiction is connection. Because when I am isolating, when I'm going and doing my other stuff, you know, I need to be. That's that's part of why these. Uh, I heard this term too: the mutual support groups, MSG. Mutual aid support groups. I think is what the guy said. MSG, the MSGs, uh, which is also that chemical they put in food, right? Right. But also is the like a little uh, abbreviation for messages, right? Mm-hmm. Also, uh, so wow. maybe it's the message. That's cool. This mutual support group thing. I'll, I instantly went to that crap that you just put on your steak so it would uh, yeah. be tender instead <laughs> of cooking it right. Uh, the shortcuts. Keep you coming back for more. Yeah. But uh, that connection that we get through these groups, and, and that's part of why, you know, that's why these things really work because that's the thing I've said for a while is that, you know, you can come into these, you can come into a meeting and you sit in the back of a room and not share with anybody and not become connected with the group and not get a damn thing. You know, I mean, not much anyway. That was you certainly come with a less than a thimble. 
you get the you thimble at the most. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can understand, too, that sometimes you need to do that, right? I mean, you're just not ready to come in and throw all your chips in the middle of the table. Very few guys are able to do that. We've got some people that's come into our group lately that seems to have been able to dive in, uh, which is really cool. I love to see that. But most of the time, that's not quite the way it works, is, is being able to just dive into it. Like I said, we need – you need to share because you got to open up. That's part of this vulnerability concept here, This that, that component, too. Is that if you don't come in and be vulnerable, uh, and I've heard that like a lot of the things you've said today hinged on, uh, to me, that vulnerability uh, component of being able to be part of, to come in and lay your stuff or to be, to share your small, what you call, what you've defined as the small stuff in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to actually let people in and hear that stuff and share that stuff with it is this vulnerability component. And if you're not able to practice, that's why the word practice means so much to me. If I'm not able to practice this getting vulnerable on the small stuff, I'm not going to be able to get vulnerable on the big stuff later. You know, and when I need it, like what I was saying about that needing that fucking pause button sometimes in life. If you do not have a strong pause button and... Uh, you had to go to the mountain by yourself when you're standing there all alone because that's where I was at in that particular moment, completely alone, basically. I didn't have anything to grab a hold of immediately. Uh, if I didn't have that internal, then I wasn't going to survive those things. I'll run off and do what I'm going to do. I'll go, I'll go get some medicine that will fix my malady really quick. A friend of mine shared something, that's why I'm looking at my phone. I also got a text from my daughter wanting something, and then uh, five minutes later after I didn't respond, uh, never mind, which I couldn't have done anyway. She wanted me to take her someplace in a minute. I would like to, um, but I can't. I like this, and this is why our group works for well, and I think the group meeting stuff, it says uh, sharing personal stuff openly requires a safe and tight container. You got to know these guys are safe. You got to know that if you share something that's confidential, that's that you don't have to say, don't tell anybody, right? Right. Because these guys, these brotherhood like this, they know what not to do and what to do, and they know how to handle such a, such sensitive information. So if I'm not, if I'm not feeling that with my tribe, then I can't let my stuff out. I can't put it in the middle of the circle and let you all chew on it. Uh, and then that's the other thing is with that everybody's got to be doing this. But all members, in order for that safe and con- tight container to be effective, then uh, then it's best supported when all the members participate consistently. So we need everybody doing that. You know, you'll get off the hook. You know, that that guy there, I need to hear from you. Right. You know, you can't. You don't get to sit over there in the corner because you've you've just let the le- you're the leak in the container in a sense. And some other guy can't share because you're not. And, and that was kind of me in the past, you know. I'd soak it all in, but I wasn't giving much back. Right, yeah. You know? that's, that's, that is. That's another uh, <clears throat> uh, metaphor for that same thing. It's, it's you have to be also, a, you know, we got it's a give and take. I say we got a price of admission is, is participation. Yep. And I, uh, you know, I kind of would get in my head, too, before in other, uh, my previous recovery of where am I? Am I doing stuff good? Am I doing stuff bad? Am I progressing at all? I can't see it. You know, oftentimes I don't feel it uh, or or see it because I can't be, you know, outside of my body. Like, what did you just do that there? It was weird. But uh, 
if I'm not sharing, then I'm not getting any kind of feedback on where I'm at. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm playing judge of where I'm at. And I really need the group and other people who do this better than I do or have done it for longer than I do to be like, you know, I need to hear every now and then you're doing this right. Or maybe, maybe you should look at that or maybe you should try doing this, you know, and if I'm not sharing, then nobody can, nobody can give me any kind of feedback like that. It right, goes, yeah. it goes kind of back yeah. to my own, I got this, it's my own thing. I'm going to do it my way. Um, and that hasn't worked for me. It's led me back to several relapses. Um, so I, nowadays I have to share. I've kind of learned that, that I have to share. I want to share definitely. Um, but I always, I tend to want to share on the stuff that sounds really good and juicy. And I don't necessarily always want to share on the stuff that makes me look a little, a little like lacking. Like, hey, maybe you need to uh, do some stuff on that. Like, maybe you're not where you think you are yeah. for that or something. So, when I hit the wall on that thing I was sharing earlier, and uh, I think I will, you know, I hate to be a little vague about it, but I don't necessarily want it out for public broadcast. Um, I was, I kept that under my vest for a little bit. Now I let my sponsor know about it, so I had that, you know, and. Uh, and I needed to do that at some level before it was safe really to let that out at the next level. Uh, but the thing hit me was like, you know, I'm walking around these meetings and I'm doing this. I'm, I'm talking to, uh, I'm talking to talk about sharing like that thing. I say, you know, the um, discharges negative energy through safe people. Uh, and I'm, and I'm talking that talk and I'm not walking the walk. Right. Cause I got this one thing that I'm not sharing with y'all. I think we all and, tend to and, do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, but it was able to get it out, and I don't dis, I don't, I don't second guess that either because it has, the, the, the the particularly sensitive nature of that particular episode uh, probably warranted it uh, of being like that, you know. But um, you know, I just lost my job after 28 years, and I went to a meeting I didn't share it. Uh, you know, and there was a, quite a few burning desires in the room that day, and I deemed mine not one. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, been there and done that before. Yeah, yeah. So, I, but so, but the thing, but you know, the, and just just to throw out the other side of that, I have this fantastic support network that I'm no longer just required. I'm no longer just dependent upon my meeting to let y'all know that anymore. So that used to be my only really soul, unless I was to like call everybody up individually. Hey Jesse, I, right? And, and hey Nick, and hey, uh, you know, and and, and run down my do phone that? book <laughs> and tell everybody. My only other opportunity was to come and share that openly in a meeting, right? Well, now we got this group thing where I'm able to discharge that energy there, you know, and let, you know, and although there's some people that don't, that wish to not or choose to not, whatever, participate in that, I'm still got a really nice circle there of a really wide net of like 30 people yeah. that, that I'm able to, to discharge that energy to. Uh, and you know what? Most of those guys doing that burning desire in there don't have that. Most of those guys doing the burning desire the other night don't have the network that I have established. Now, again, I don't want to deem my, you know, I got to be real careful about deeming my shit right. on some other level. But fact of the matter is I've got a really strong support network underneath of me. So, you know, I don't know what I'll, the fact, it's a, I need to share that just because, I, again, I, I'm going I'm to I'm talk as talk. I better walk a fucking walk. And go in there and do it. And if it's a week later than normal, then it just is. It, it is what uh, it is. It is what it is, you know. The, uh, we get in these meetings and we've got these uh, five burning desires, you know, and it's good to be, well, we're just going to have, a, maybe we need to have a meeting. It's just burning desires. It was a great Our meeting. Our group's getting yeah. big. Yeah. 
it was a great meeting though too yep all right it's getting big you know it used to be that uh when we had 20 people in this meeting uh you know you may or may not have a burning desire a week maybe well we've got three times that many people attending every single time so you're probably going to have three times needs uh of burning desire type of things going on right uh that 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 require that so it you know it works exactly the way it's supposed to work I was guilty of that too, you know. Like I said, I not sharing like well that, and like you said about judging small stuff versus big stuff. I would judge my burning desire. Is that something that really? Yeah. I mean, you do need. I do need to question whether it's a burning desire. Like, am I going to go drink, or is this just a problem? Right. Yeah. And the, and the answer for me is I don't know, and that's the confusing yeah. thing. It could be not today, but it could be eight days from now well that's what's you, coming you know. to me on this particular issue is, is, is i don't really know if i'm gonna drink over this or not you know i like to tell you i'm not we all say that but and then i'm the fact of the matter is i don't know <laughs> you'll find me later yeah later. and i don't know about that on some other things either so i had to watch that you know i think uh i think i know something um when i still you know, uh what i know and don't know usually is not what gets me in trouble <laughs> right you know? Uh, I won't. I won't be able to define that when uh, when it comes. The uh, yeah, laying that scale out in front of me, and like trying to place my shit where it is on the scale, all by myself. Mm. You know, is this whole between the scale of one and ten? How close to a burn desire is this, Dan? And I'll have a meeting with me and all my committee up <laughs> yeah. in my head, and we'll come to a conclusion that this one is not worthy, and I won't tell a fucking person. Uh, now, fact actually is I have a guy that I actually do. I really do pretty much keep my sponsor in contact with everything that I do. So I do have that too. You know, mm. again, I have this, uh, I joke around and you know, this is not totally a joke. It's somewhat real that if I'm going to do anything anymore, uh, that, that carries any more weight than buying new underwear, I'm usually letting my sponsor know about it. And sometimes he knows about it when I'm doing that. Uh, so, so I do have that also in, in every one of these things that I'm talking about. When I say this walking the walk, talking the talk stuff, uh, not, not in any of these have that, has that man been excluded from this stuff. Never do I withhold that from him. I just don't. I may be, uh, I may be a little slow to play on some grounds like I'm new to like sharing relationship issues with my sponsors, something I've not really been doing, had to do, whatever, uh, up until lately. Uh, and so that was a little new to me. I might've been a little slow on the draw in some areas about going to him with some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I certainly did and do. And then that's getting more comfortable again too. Now, uh, instead of putting it on the scale, deeming it where it's worthy or not. You were talking about that other thing about us, all of us, what uh, my metaphor for that is, is like, everybody's holding a mirror. All my support group has a mirror and they actually, a lot of times they don't really even show, tell me, you know, in a way, but they hold the mirror up. So I can see me, you know, and if they're not around, I can't see me. Right. I can't see me at all. But when my friends are around and my support group's there, same thing with my sponsor. And everything, uh, my sponsor, he's got this unique thing where he rarely gives me the answers. Almost never does he answer my questions. But by talking to him, I get my answers. That's usually the way it happens for me. That's juicy right there. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it used to be I wanted him to give me answers and then I, as a sponsor when my guys bring me stuff today I have to remember that too and I'm not necessarily here to give this guy the answer 
I don't have the answer for him. Really. You don't have all the facts usually either. Yeah. So and, and you know, and what works for me, like this whole thing about this was my true north and your true north not being the same. Uh, only thing I can do is really share all my experience and that kind of thing, and hope that the same dynamic happens, like what happens with my sponsor, that by talking to me, my guy gets his answer. Mm-hmm. It's not that I gave him an answer. That's a uh, that's not always that's not always easy. My sponsor got a lot more years of practicing that. <laughs> and I do and I get a little let down sometimes when that's what I want damn it I'm looking for an answer me too uh, you know I got A or B pick because I don't want to oh what about C though oh shit yeah. C you're really fucking me up with C <laughs> yeah how often I'm wrong and that's the good thing about having the sponsorship thing is being able to know uh, sometimes even just when I share with him I'm like yeah that's yeah I, yeah, whoops. <laughs> uh, just letting it out. Uh, let me know just exactly where I stood on this particular thing. I've been doing that a lot lately, and it's really helped my life, I'll be honest. Um, you know, some people here know Drew B is my sponsor. Um, when I came back in, I came to the guys that I consider the elders of this group, and for me, that might just might just mean the people that I respect the most. And uh, I had some ideas of who I wanted to sponsor me, but I basically came and just said, you guys know me better than I know me, probably, and you guys know this group and what it's about better than me, probably. Why don't you help me find a sponsor? And uh, I got hooked up with a great sponsor. And I like... Um, and you always say if, if your home group's not the greatest home group, then go find the one that is. And if your sponsor is not the greatest sponsor, go find the one that is. Um, I've had some good, I've had good sponsors in the past. I, I wasn't capable of using them the way that I should have. Um, but for whatever reason, this go around, uh, me and my sponsor are clicking just greatly. Um, it might be because we're similar in a lot of ways. It might just be because we're both on that wave, the right wave at the right time, and uh, we both need each other. But uh, I know that in the last two weeks, I've called my sponsor more for stuff that I would have never called anyone for um, daily. And it's basically changed my day, those days that I do that. Um, like one day I carried an issue at work that I had it with another employee around for six hours. You know, from, say, noon to 6 o'clock when I finally talked to my sponsor. And as soon as I talked to him, that that went away. That energy, that negative energy went away. And um, and it's not because it just magically went away. He said, do this or think about this or don't do anything and just pray or, you know, something. Um, and in that particular case, the issue went away literally when I woke up the next day because that person called me and we kind of, everything got resolved and what I would have done was said that's not a big deal you don't need to tell anybody about it I would have carried the anxiety around from 12 o'clock that day till whatever day it was that it finally went away um or I would have drank over it ultimately um so I'm really seeing the value in that too you know it's it's just another one of those things I'm just amazed at like how hard-headed I am or uh it's not even that I don't know just I think everybody has to be ready I know I did um and you know just I just laugh at myself because I'm like all they told you to do is get a sponsor go to meetings work the steps and don't drink right and 
somehow I couldn't follow those four simple rules or suggestions, yeah, right. you know. And it's like the minute you do, I've had a monumental change to my life, you know. And it's like I have to just laugh, like, A, why didn't I do it sooner? I don't know the answer. I don't know that anybody was. B, why did I have to still do it my way? I don't know because I just didn't want to get happier, I guess, secretly. Um, so that's stuff I just laugh, you know, like, cause I'm always like, I, th- I think I'm doing something new. Like I'm doing this now. I'm talking to my sponsor every day. It's like, well, most people successfully work in the program are saying, yeah, bro, we've been doing that for a while. Well, welcome to the club. Right. And, uh, when I say things like that, when I hear myself saying that, I just kind of laugh like, yeah, I called my sponsor and he helped me with my problem. Yeah, huh. Wow. What a wow. fucking wow. shock. Revolutionary. Right. right? Jesse, you're the best you guy in AA ever, you right? write a book about that. Right. So, but I just smile now when I say that because yeah. I can laugh at myself. You know, I used to criticize myself. Now I just laugh like, yeah, you're just, you're just an alcoholic, man. The tools work. They really do. It's silly, though, that other stupid little saying, it works if you work it. Yep, and uh, it's true. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep. Uh, I don't know where to go. I had a, I actually had a thought during that last thing you were saying there, and, I, and, it, and it disappeared on me. One thing, everything, I always feel like I got to steal up the airtime, and sometimes. Me I don't. too. You can always edit the airtime out later. I bet I don't even want to. Don't even hit delete. Don't so, even hit cut and paste. I haven't cut. Uh, I haven't cut a single thing out of any of these podcasts since. Well, I haven't cut a single thing out of these podcasts since one of the early ones. Uh, he was Chase. It was here. It was a. Uh, acorns were falling out of a big ass oak tree back there <laughs> and they were hitting it sound like bullet shots and I started trying to cut them out and I thought it was pretty cool that I could actually do it I could zoom in on that and you could cut that out of your voice it was so sharp and quick of a sound that I could cut it out and you could, it didn't even bother what the guy was saying really yeah you didn't even hurt Chase could be talking and you could come in there and clip that acorn it sounded like a bullet shot so it sounded like bam uh, and, and but then I was like you know I'm not going to cut them all out. I'm not going to sit here and listen to this. Right, and do that. a thousand cutouts. <laughs> it wasn't that many, but um, and then I had a friend who dropped a lot of last names in here on the podcast. But I had a microphone malfunction that day that actually caused the podcast really ultimately unusable. The whole thing, so we had to do a do-over. Yeah, and I hated doing that. So uh, that just ended up being a do-over. And and so all that editing I tried, and I actually spent a lot of time trying to resurrect that, try to salvage that recording, and I learned another lesson that you know it's just, hey man, the moment is the moment. Sometimes you have right? to re-record it. You know, yeah. sometimes you have to throw it in the garbage and start over. You just have to. So that's what I did with that one. So no, I haven't. And and sometimes I have a feeling now. You know, and of course I'm getting more and more comfortable behind the microphone. I'm getting more on my feet on doing this. That. Uh, At the end of the podcast, I'm going to say, did you listen to it? And I'm like, no, I don't have a need to listen to it. I was there. <laughs> now, I will. But I don't, like pre, I don't preview it before broadcasting. I don't listen to the whole thing anymore. Because I know what was happening. I knew what was here. I know what happened today. I'm aware today. I'm sitting here in an aware state. In the moment. I listen to you. I know what happened. There's nothing that was said today that I need to edit. There's nothing, you know. Uh, we don't even have any. I don't know. You used to hear the dogs barking. Mm-hmm. I really haven't heard them today. I don't know if they're not being barking or if I'm starting to tune them out. Right. Uh, sometimes when I'm listening to one of the podcasts, I'll hear the dogs barking in the background and think a little think think a little thing about that. But 
This is what it is. We're sitting in in a wood shop in my backyard that, as far as I'm concerned, was manifested for this very purpose. Uh, just to go on with that, you know, I lost that job last week, and uh, and I know I'm going to be sitting back here working. I got a piece of finished work sitting there, a piece of work that's going on over here. Um, I got this table I'll be shooting podcasts and recording podcasts at when uh, that was made in this very shop. Uh, talk about true north alignment. I'm relatively certain. I graduated from yoga teacher training Sunday, a week ago today. Uh, I registered for my actual, I can actually, I have one little more step to do real quick, but uh, before I am, but I'll be able to put that YRT, which is a registered yoga teacher, 200, 200 hour trained. That's like the baseline thing behind yeah. my name if I want to. So We're all waiting for that. Say bro. I'm a yoga teacher. So all this stuff is aligning, and I, and I know you know, and, and I say that again to say this is that this is not I'm not unique in this. This is mm. available to everybody, and I feel like to some extent that's what my role is here is to 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 do that. To we read that I might even read it here. Just feels like we're running out of gas. A you bit, feel like yeah. we're running out of gas. Not that we're running out of gas. It's just the end doesn't have to be forced, and it can. Uh, I think happen I want to play another song though. Yeah, definitely. But we'll pause it and we'll do that. Um, put the song on different tracks so I can, it's easier for me to manage on that way rather than being part of the podcast. Uh, I've heard this before. Robin sent it to me not too long ago. And then up on Facebook today, it popped up from another friend of mine. Actually, the guy who turned me on to Bob Earl. The guy that turned me on to Bob Earl posted this on Facebook today, and it's the same quote as Robin gave me, but with some more at the end of it than a particular spot that means something to me today. Uh, it's Marianne Williamson, which I have never heard of. I don't know who that is. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who, you, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. That's the part I like. You're mm. playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. That's freaking cool. Love it. I'm done playing small. I'm not shrinking back on this recovery thing and what it's done in my life. Uh, I think that's one part of this purpose is what's going on here is to uh, continue to let everybody know you know, that there's, you know, Mark Houston is another speaker I've heard. He's since passed. And he's the one that told me this, I smell more. That's where I got that from, hearing him. That I smell more. And every time I continue to look around the corner, there's more. And so then that builds a momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not running into dead ends in my life anymore that look like the back end of an alley that scare me and cause me to think, well, this is it. This is all I get. You know? Thimble's full. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, you know, uh, I've got like a tanker ship of juice capacity today. And I am my own limitation. I am my only limitation of what what recovery can do for a fella. And I know it's because of this that does it. Well, I have to say watching you inspires me, and that's not lip service. That's well, thank you. watching you. You know, Like you said, we knew each other when you first came in. I was new still. And... um. I remember Jack Jack said to me, Jack K said, 
Oh, I got him to do shit to Jesse. You, right. Because he goes, what do you do for a living? I told him I was an engineer. Oh, you got, you know. Right. So, so like, we must be identical. Yeah, right, right, we right, must right, be right, identical yeah. people. But uh, just watching you, man, really inspired me, you know, because we were Sponsy brothers for a while. Yeah. And uh, in fact, a little bit of jealousy, I'll be honest with you. It's like, ah, hearing what Dan did, hearing what Dan did. Um, I've since turned that around. You know, now it's a. Uh, well, you can fucking do what Dan does if yeah. you get up off your ass and it, get another thimble so you can fill up two of them instead of one. Um, but, yeah, man, the stuff you do and doing this, you give of yourself, you give of your time, you help people who are new, you help people like me who need to maybe hear some stuff a different way. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. And I appreciate Warm being my here. Heart, man. I'm, uh, I know I'm loved today, and it's a truly touching that you think that uh, – you know, I got a bunch of guys that really, really do, and I care about them too. You know, just with the same energy. You know, that I got this tribe, this brother, this band of brothers. It's only that it continues to grow. Uh, that 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 love me and allow me to do this. I'm, I ride on their shoulders. They come and record their stories so that other people can hear it. You know, this is not about you know circuit speakers and other things like that. This is about regular guys doing recovery at a level that simply is amazing, honestly. I'm watching guys left and right. We got a new guy with a ton of legal trouble and I'm just like chomping at the bits and other one of these things where I'm peeking around the corner like with my childlike eyes going, watch <laughs> watch what higher power yeah. can go to do in this I've said time. the same thing to said person. Yeah. Like I've seen it work with you. Yep. I know it'll work. Yep. And I've I know a mutual it. friend that has actually put him already in a box and somebody completely separate. In another meeting, I know that these, these people know each other separate from my involvement with either. And uh, I said, we have a mutual friend, and I told him their name, and, and, and this person like looked at me and was like, yeah, he is, you know, like, well, I might as well ch put a check mark next to his name because he is done. Right. Stick a fork in him, he's over. No right. reason to even know this guy anymore because he's going to be up the river for long. And I, I smiled at this person, and I said, you watch. I said, because she knows my story a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I said, you watch. And I watched her. She, when I said that to her, I think it never dawned on her. You know, she had him sold down the river. Right. And when I said that, I saw her, like, go, hmm. Hmm, you're right. Yeah, like, you know, I've never even considered. And that's kind of that same limiting thought pattern that we do with ourselves and with others. That's like this manifesting, you know, I mean, that, that's that's an awful way for us to operate today is to think that people are not worthy of getting this, you know, that they're that guy ain't never going to make it. Right. Uh, he's got, hear what he his shared. problems are piled up so deep that he's never going to be able to dig out from underneath that. I'm like, you watch. You watch. Amen. I watched some cool stuff happen. I watched a girl not too long ago get sentenced to 30 years in prison. It was rocking in recovery around here locally. And she did, and I thought, oh my, I said, I was able not, I, I was always able to say before that period that, that this don't, you work the steps, you do this and apply these principles into your life, and that doesn't happen to you. And she broke the mold, and I was like, I can't say that anymore. And she got sent to prison for tw for 30 years, and uh, in nine months they let her back out. Right. And I went, yeah. Right. Yep, mold's still intact. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and again, it's never on my time either, right? That's the other thing, it's this that you know uh i can't give up on that i can't start writing the end of other people's stories for them nor mine 
And now she's back in action. She's doing, she started a recovery home here in New Albany. And, and she'd left that to, you know, she got take, ripped away from that. Mm-hmm. And now she's back. And man, what a story that is, man. When you're sitting in there and you're at some recovery home, you're trying to get sober at this house. And you say, it can't happen for me. And that girl there has that story, you know? I mean, those are those are the bulbs. That's that. That's this thing of not fucking living small. I'm not going to live small, and she don't either. You know and that is we need that. Yep. Uh, you saying that kind of triggered a thought for me, which was a uh, I had that same thought. You know, this one couldn't happen for me, right? I've seen it. Happen. Isn't. I it's can admit it'll happen thing, for you. I've seen it for other people, but for some reason, you know, we get in our heads and say it. That's can't, actually what I was. It can't happen for me. That's exactly the thought that I had when I hung up a minute ago. And I think that, for me, is more, more of my spiritual sickness than any kind of addiction sickness. Yeah. That's what happened to my soul, saying, Living small. I'm not worthy enough for something good to happen to me, but it can happen for you, you know? Yeah. That other thing, like what uh, Christopher was talking about in the thing, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know some people could use that. Right. Know, not me. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that's some of that, I think inside there is that same thing about, hey, not me. Be can't happen for me, you know that, that those those lies we tell ourselves. I mm-hmm. kind of that's another thing I need to write down and do something with. I'm almost thinking about maybe a. Yes, I am. I want to do something with that particular train of thought before too awful long in a formal manner of the lies that we tell ourselves. It's been some. It's a theme in the yoga thing. Love uh, it. I was taught and throughout the the 200 hours of yoga training. Yeah. And you, you, that was that was far from just learning how to hold myself and tell people what pose to be in. There was inquiry inquiry work in there. It's much like four step kind of work where you delve to your inside. You know, just like we say, you, in order to, I got to go in this inside job, right? Uh, so we did that, you know, in the yoga stuff, and then a lot of that was based on a on a premise about the lies we tell ourselves, and and it hold us back. And you know, so like real quick, you know, the ones that, you know, one lie we all have can relate to is uh, that I can just have one. <laughs> of course. Yeah, you know, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Oh, guilty. Uh, all that shit in my past don't bother me. Guilty. Guilty uh, of all those. Yeah, <laughs> this and so when I see the promises happening for other people, I say it can't happen for me. Yeah. And so all these limiting thoughts and these lies that I'm telling myself, you know, and I actually can speak. It's a language I use in my relationship now in order to, like, communicate is that uh, the story I'm telling myself right now is that you're, like, moving away from me. You're mad at me because of this. You know, so we can talk in that manner in, like, a productive way. We can communicate because I'm just saying what the story I'm telling myself. I'm not telling you I feel a certain way. Right. Because that can emo- evoke some stuff. If I say I feel, you know, then... I can't help your feelings, you know. Uh, so we can so some language that works with with in a communication, especially in a, in relationship, is to say, you know, uh, uh, the story I'm telling myself is this, and then we can hash that out and get to the bottom of it without stepping on one another, because uh, I recognize it as just being some damn story. Now sometimes the story I'm telling myself is okay to be true, right? Yeah, it's okay for the story to pan out too. Doesn't always have to be a lie. But we hurt ourselves with these lies that I'm not worthy. That's really, that's, we did an exercise in that, and uh, we did a statement, and, it's, and it said, uh, the lie that I tell myself is that I am blank and that I am not blank, and my new way of being is blank. So we're taking these things that we're saying we're not, you know, this lie we're telling ourselves, and then making like a personal commitment that I'm going to be this way. And those are tough, and we spend a lot of time with them, you know. And 
and I feel funny sharing, but I will, and a lot of people will, but uh, we'll have, because you got to get up in front of everybody and say it like you mean it, you know? And we all do the, the, the go around again, and you spin around and say it again, and then you do this like wheel your finger around in a circle means do it again, do it again to where you feel that you've said it at a manner and a authenticity that you, and uh, so the lie I tell myself is that I'm broken mm. and that I'm not worthy. And my new way of being is of abundance. And whatever that means, you know, sometimes I want to look at that abundance as like monetary, and that's not what I mean. I mean living a life of abundance where I have all this friendship and this love come from different direction. It can mean money, too, because I'm not going to say that spirituality and money are not the same thing, too. Right. I think I get to attract that and manifest it into my life also. But that's what it comes down to from those early age stuff is that I got to a point in sitting down doing some of this inquiry work there is that I look at myself like I'm broken. And by broken, I mean I can't be fixed. I'm beyond repair. Uh, and that's why I'm not worthy of having any of these blessings. That's why I only get to show up with a thimble. Yeah. Too much baggage. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, so I have a new way of being today. And that is, that, so that abundance wolves right with this thing I read a minute ago, is that I'm not going to live small. Love it. I'm done with that bullshit. Same. And if y'all don't like it, you know, those out there that don't like it, don't like Dan living big, don't watch Dan. Right, right. <laughs> Although it might watch be hard to else. do. So cool. Well, one thing, uh, I, and I certainly were at an hour and a half. And that's long. About two hours is as long as I like to go. Yeah. A, that's about as much audio as I can upload in one episode because I got a free podcasting host and I'm not charging me a nickel for putting it up, but they do have some limitations. I didn't even know that was there. Um, and B, I think that's about as much as you can ask somebody to sit down and listen to. That seems to long it. for yeah, me. You might be able to sit down and listen to uh, Joe. I can sit down and listen to Joe Rogan. There's one not too long ago. It was four hours and 45 minutes. Sure. I couldn't watch it, listen to it in one setting. I listened to it over time. Um, but a lot of his are uh, three hours or three plus. Uh, but for the Spiritual Underground podcast, I'm trying to put some place in the neighborhood of two hours as being. We've went over a few times. We've got some that are a little over two hours. Uh, but that's about about where I'm sitting at, so that's cool. But one of the things I like to do, uh, and I stole this from another podcast hero of mine, his name is Steve Ranella. He does one called the Meat Eater Podcast. It's hunting, and it's hunting in a way that it relates to me, man. I really, I love growing up being a hunter and a fisherman, and I like hunting, and well, I'm not apologetic for being a hunter. Uh, I am a meat eater. Well, I'm going on 60 days of being a meat-eating vegan. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. I've invented that. Uh, <laughs> a new thing yeah i mean we can make up our own shit today uh, he does a concluder and that's why i'm stealing from him uh is that he says do you have any final conclusions any concluders you want to share before we turn off the microphone today is that me yeah you're asking me yeah i kind of already did a concluder I you did I you did a really good one i don't know how much i can add um i guess i can just speak to from from the new guy to the new guy you know, like we said before, find a group of guys you like who have what you want. Do what they do. You know, I'll speak in the cliche. Do what they do, and that means the shit you want to do and the shit you don't want to do. Um, get all in. I guess that's my my biggest change in recovery is taking down my own walls. That if you want to say living small, I wanted to live small in recovery. Um, I wanted to live big in the madness, but you know, yeah, I right. I artificially put That's up awesome. walls. No doubt, man. 
Um, but I wanted to live small. Drunk or what? Yeah, I wanted to drink all the beers. Um, but in recovery, I I don't know why, but I guess that's part of our sickness and our disease is I didn't want all the blessings. And I don't know why. I'll never know why. But I do know that uh, if you take down the walls, the blessings will come. And if you st- stick with the guys who do what you want and have what you want and do what you want to do and align with, it'll all just work out. Yeah. And um, That's juice, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate being here. And uh, I love er- whoever listens to this. I love you. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming in, man. It's always a joy. And uh, it's a... I've just loved you from the beginning. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, maybe it's just I have an open heart too, but I know there's some connection sometimes, and it just is with certain people, and that's what's happening with this group of guys or whatever. That connection just gets built really fast. You know what I mean? I don't. I. I it's beyond my understanding that you're one of those guys for sure that uh, that I just felt that with from the get go. Thanks, man. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I'll close with this because I always have to do. Of course, I kid around. I pay the bills with this stuff, but it ain't. I'm gonna have to start sponsoring myself. I'm gonna say this stuff is built, uh, sponsored <laughs> by DTM Woodwork, right? Because that is who's going to be financing this in whole uh, before too <laughs> awful long. Because uh, my my normal day job is not doing it anymore, uh, or I won't be doing it for long. Um, spiritualunderground.org just like it sounds spiritualunderground.org has show notes has a contact me page where you can uh, email me that is if you want to just shortcut it but it's great big it's dan at spiritualunderground.org kick that Uh, Amazon has a 12 step spiritual recovery the 12 steps for everybody or those people who currently have a 12 step program and want to take their stuff to a next level I'm not going to play small there either this will give you tools that will advance your 12 step uh, because you hopefully smell more also as I do Uh, music before the shows here lately been brought to you by our brothers at the spiritual underground in our home group Uh, Jesse here across the table from me and Darren Uh, That's one of the places where it gets to be funny with the last names. I'll just leave it at that. Thank you all for listening today and stay tuned. We will be uh, continuing to put out new content on Sunday nights. Peace out. Do the one about being in the madness first. Play a song about being in the madness. This is by my friend Griffin. Maples. Griffin a female? Griffin? No. I know a Griffin that's a female and she's popped into my life again suddenly just obscurely but he's been through the recovery with me off and on both of us different waves for different things yeah but uh he's probably the only one of my friends who can get this type of thing so he wrote this
veins on a war path Saturate head to toe Hide behind this rough patch of mine Things that you will never know Too. Fucking A, man. That is too fucking cool, dude. Too fucking cool. Man, I'm the icebreaker. Yeah. That's like, yeah, no doubt. 